Hi, it's us. Did you have a good weekend? Good, good. So did we. Drop the subject with Allie and James. Let's get things started, shall we? Lots to look forward to today. We've got the Monday Munch Report. We're going to talk about drunk foods that you probably ate or maybe skipped or ate a lot of and then regretted later on. We're going to get down and dirty with the drunchies. But first first <laughs> Is off... Is drunchies even a word? Hold on. Before we go... I've never heard that. The drunchies? You've never heard of drunchies? No. What is yeah, the drunchies? the drunk munchies. Drunk munchies. Got it. Are the drunchies. Oh, okay. I Yeah. I and guess. then afterwards, you get the booze poos. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Oh, my God. <laughs> the next day, you're like, I'm never doing this again. Oh, my God. So much yep. pain. And then exactly three days passes and you're like, oh, my God, I need a drink. I need a drink. Right. <laughs> exactly. Mm, I have a question for you, James. OK, I hopefully have an answer. I had a telehealth appointment over oh. the weekend. Oh, and uh, well, no, Uh oh, I didn't I didn't really get what I needed uh because i <laughs> okay break, break I, it down i've had a, a problem happening over the past several months since march i've had i've been breaking out into hives on my hands and on my feet regularly Allie, we've we've been working together since march you trying to tell me something <laughs> i'm yeah. allergic to you even through distance <laughs> i make even... you break out into hives from yes a dis- from a distance but I'm a- and then we saw uh hives and rashes and skin discoloration have been added to the COVID symptoms list, which uh-uh. I already got tested for COVID when I was talking, you know, I was talking to the doctors about my my rash. Or uh-huh. So anyway, I've not really been getting the help that I feel like I really need. It was just to figure out what the hell is making this happen and stopping that. But the question I have for you is, is do you think about how casual you would like to be with your patients I I feel like there's a level of professionalism that I expect from mm. um I you know the nurse practitioner I expect to be like well, you're like we're a little more like friendly like hey you know it's a, it's a little more personable I guess uh huh and then with doctors I think my ex- normal ex- my other most of my experiences have been a little more formal where they. Uh, it, it's a little more transactional, but let's figure out what's going on. Let me explain what's going on. Uh-huh. I was explaining my symptoms to this doctor over the phone, over my telehealth appointment. I was like, yeah, you know, I, I, have, I have these rashes on my hands and they keep coming up and they last for hours. And he's like, are they itchy? And I was like, yeah, they, they're itchy and they sting. And he goes, oh, that sucks. <laughs> okay. And I was like, you, did, you, uh, and you didn't like that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he was like, oh, God, tell me about it. And I was like, uh, I don't know if I want, like, do you, is that something that you think about? Because he was so casual with me. And be- I think because it was on telehealth, he also seemed a little bit distracted. You know how we're all we're doing a million different things at once when we're doing Zooms at home and we're doing conference calls and we're, you know, at the same time sweeping the floor or making dinner. Well, Do you what think- was that, Allie? Huh? What? What'd you say? Sorry, right. I missed that. I Thank was busy. you. My yeah. point exactly. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So my first question for you is, <laughs> do you do you? Do you think about how casual or formal you would like to be or need to be with your patients? And my second question is, do you think that doctors are as distracted as all of us are right now in quarantine with doing all of these things remotely? Quick answers. Yes and yes. Uh-huh. Uh, I, 
there there is a balance that I think is really important to strike there because there there's something called white coat syndrome, which is actually a very well researched, documented phenomenon that happens where people, if the someone is wearing a white coat in the uh, you know provider's office, doctor's office, what have you, and someone takes your blood pressure, your blood pressure systolically will be five to ten points higher always. Wow. There's an anxiety. Just because someone has a lab coat on. Just because someone has a lab coat on. So it's called white coat syndrome. But in the industry, we sort of use white coat syndrome to describe these things that happen with people when physicians or nurse practitioners are in the room because patients are always nervous, almost always nervous. They are sort of like they, it's a weird power dynamic. It's very odd. So some professionals, some providers, and I do this to to a degree, we try very hard to not use big medical terms to just be very conversational, to be very, very relatable. Um, I imagine that that's a little bit difficult to do over telemedicine, particularly when you're talking to someone for the first time, right? So my guess is that your doctor was probably just trying to be real and relatable with you so that you felt more comfortable. But what that came off as is like, you don't know my rash. Like, <laughs> well, and I had not met. This was my first time meeting with the allergist. It wasn't like a regular doctor that I've seen multiple times. Uh-huh. So I'm ma- we're, we're both making first impressions on each other. I'm explaining what's been going on for the last six months. And his reaction is well, that sucks. It makes me think <laughs> that he's either not paying attention or I guess he's trying to connect with me and be relatable. But then the things that followed of him being like, yeah, I don't know, you know, maybe you could just double like double up on the allergy medication. Like, it just seemed like we were spitballing friends. And I was Uh, like, I uh don't I don't know if I really would like you to just prescribe me something, anything. I don't care what it is. Just give me a prescription. (laughs) Do something. Aha. Yes, that is the. um, Oh, yes. This happens very, very often in medicine. So there's. Because we want that, right? We're like, I'm paying to come to you as a professional. I just want you to diagnose this and tell me how to fix it, right? That's yeah. that's what we're looking for. It's part of the reason, actually, why so many people don't wear masks and there's so many conspiracy theories about COVID-19. Because everyone's like, oh, what is this? It's a virus. What does it do? It's a bad mofo. Okay, fix it. And we don't have a fix, right? Right. So that's 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 our relationship with healthcare, right? I have a problem. You have an answer. And you have a fix. And I bet you with everything you've been going through with these hives I've been giving you since March, and now it's (laughs) August, and you're like, okay, I'm finally at the allergist now. Like, what's wrong? And he just says, double up on your over-the-counter medication. Like, that's got to be disheartening. Oh, yeah. And it's expensive, man. (laughs) It is. Yeah. Yeah. Those over-the-counter. He wants me to take two twice. That's four allergy pills every damn day. I'm going to be broke. (laughs) And then there's still not an answer of like, where's this coming from? I think you should. I'm I'm sorry, Allie. I'm sorry for your hives. Thank you. Thank you. Uh-huh. Just tell me that sucks. Yeah. I mean, ugh, that sucks. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the subject. Allie Johnson, James Simmons. One of the things that's really, really great about Mondays around here is we get to talk about food in my belly. It's the Monday Munch Report. That sounds good. I'll have that. Yes, 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 yes. What are you doing? I'm blotting the grease. Okay. So you may or may not have had excessive amounts of libations, right? I believe sometimes the old timers will say, I was overserved, right? These this may or may not have happened to you on a few occasions. I don't know about you, Allie, but just just one time, back when I was like 23, just one time I had three glasses of wine and boy was that a rip roaring night. 
Oh, yeah, that was yeah. the, that was, other than that, you've been totally good. I feel like I'm still hungover from then, you know, I just <laughs> have never had more to drink than that since that time, 20 years ago. I remember my first big party at, at when I was still doing musical theater, it was like, I got invited to one of the cast members party that like had, it was, it was like, they didn't have parents. Like it was, it, they were like nice. older, you know, they could drink. And so we went to their house, they owned a house. It was like, oh my God. And everybody was playing King's Cup. Uh-oh, what is that? It's basically you, you've got a bunch of cards strewn around a table, and the table in the middle, there's a glass. Uh-huh. And every time someone pull all the all the numbers mean something different. Like nine is bust a rhyme, eight is whatever. So you have all these different oh, cards that mean different things, yeah. and you play as a group. But when you get a king, you have to pour some of your drink in the middle of the thing. Oh, and then by the end, if you draw no. the last king, you have to drink whatever <laughs> was in there. And it was at a time where people were still drinking weird-ass stuff. Like, it was Midori sweet and sour mixed with oh. Schlager mixed with, like, wine. <laughs> Peach <laughs> schnapps and stuff. <laughs> yes. And that was definitely the drunkest I've ever been in my life. Oh, um, my God. Well, and did you eat though after that experience? Like, you know, usually that's the thing. You get drunk and you and you're the, the drunchies, right? You you're like, "It's time to eat." Yeah, don't, I don't remember. Couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you a lot <laughs> about that evening except for the fact that I drank that cup, but Oh god. It seems that there is a list of things that you should eat when you're drunk and all the things that you shouldn't eat are things you want to eat like burgers, fries, candy, chocolate, ice cream, lots of dairy and hot sauce, like anything that you would order in a fast food drive-thru are the things that you want, but none of those things are on this list from what I'm seeing. Yeah, and I what I, I don't love, by the way, that they single out like hot sauce. And I know a lot of this yeah, is okay. don't come for hot sauce. Right. Well, as a medical professional, like drinking excessive amounts of alcohol is really, really, really hard on your digestive system. It's really hard on your esophagus in particular. You get, there's excess amounts of like stomach acid. So you get all like, like uh, GERDY, right? Gastroesophageal reflux disease, heartburn, right? You get all heartburny and gross and it can mess with your sleep. So that's why they're saying this. I get it from a like scientific standpoint. However, I am not eating any junk food in the middle of the night without hot sauce. Like that's just how I roll. But what they did provide, Ali, was this list of things you should eat when you're drunk if you're not eating the drive through hot sauce packets. And this list is crap. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with wheat crackers and work our way up, shall we? <laughs> I can't. Who Who's thinking about wheat crackers when they're like, I'm... You know, I've had too much to drink. It was so fun. We Ubered home. Okay, you guys, what's in the cabinet? You're bypassing the Doritos. You're bypassing the nuts. You're bypassing whatever. And you're going for the whole wheat crackers? My friend, this was before COVID, but she, she, we all went out. She came, she was, she was spending the night at our place. We were, she was crashing at our house. We didn't have anything in the pantry except for, I think, some random crackers. I think it was like sweet potato crackers or something like that. Uh-huh. She found like the bottom of the barrel tortilla chips that we had it was like crumbs only and then opened a can of tomato sauce and ate the crumbs with the tomato sauce over the crackers i bet you it was so good too <laughs> i woke so up to like good. a half opened can of tomato sauce on the table it's like <laughs> what the hell happened but even then you wouldn't do the wheat crackers that's desperation that that is desperation i think another one here that's on this list I, i'm going to skip ahead a little bit is oh meal now no they go into this this is a phd dr rosalind breslow is a phd dietitian and epidemiologist at the national institute of health 
She's talking about like eating small portions of soft food like cooked cereals are easy to digest. Rosalind, it's no one's thinking about how easy is this going to be to digest when you're drunk. You want what is good. And and oatmeal probably is fantastic for you. But no, who's going to put that together? And by the way, do you want drunk people operating a microwave or a stovetop that late at night? Soup is also on the on the list. <laughs> Not I, something like that's something if I'm really desperate, I know I can make in a pinch. But uh-huh. soup, soup, she said to order at a restaurant. I'm not ordering soup at a restaurant. No, if I'm going to a restaurant, we are going in. Fries, going burgers, bacon, pizza, egg, cheese, yeah. yes. Nachos, even. I mean, I love me some soup. I like stand soup, but like maybe not, maybe <laughs> not when I'm drunk. I think this is amazing, by the way. So if you're at a fast food place, I think we've talked about White Castle drunk, you know, belly bombers. We've talked about that on the show before. Like all the wonderfulness that you can get at fast food. Taco Bell is the, the queen supreme of drunk food late night food but they say when you're at a fast food joint you should order a grilled chicken sandwich if so, that's the person that everyone laughs at in the car <laughs> right i'm laughing at them right now what are you Can I think grilled chicken sandwich or they're like i'll get one taco and you're like what are you doing what, what are um, you right. but if there is one takeaway i have from this conversation it's that james stands soup we'll be right back with more <laughs> drop the subject drop the subject the new Channel Q. Drop the subject with Allie and James. A lot of predictions were made last year as to what 2020 was going to be like. Oh, I mean, you go through the horoscopes of 2019 for Libra, Sagittarius, Aquarius. It was like, this is the transformational year that all of your visualizations and your vision board, everything's going to come true. It's all going to be sunshine and fairy tales. And here we are still recording in our room. (laughs) (laughs) No, Ali, I'm actually going to take it even a a step further because I think we have some predictions. Not only were some of them made last year, but Jesse dug up all of these predictions that came from like even a long time ago. This is what I love about this first one. Um, The Royal College of Surgeons in England in 1911, one of the surgeons there, Richard Clement Lucas, predicted that human feet would just become one big toe. By, by, 2020. by the year by the year 2020 <laughs> so he's he's asking for a lot of leaps to take place in the world of evolution i mean i think that Literally. two or three thousand years ago we were still not too far off from where we're at now yeah that i mean that would have been in a in enormously quick like a quantum leap in evolutionary you know necessity. yeah like it took how long for us to lose our tail right yeah like some, some people still have some that. people still have tails right and that is okay if you do um, <laughs> <laughs> for all of our tailed listeners, this is a free space for you. Okay? This this is hey. a free space for our tailed listeners. I do know someone who had a tail when they were born. Um, the another did they get it cut off? They did, they did, but there there was they had a little tiny bit left over, and they were actually pretty cool about talking about it. I don't, <laughs> did it wiggle? Um, a little. <gasps> no. Did not, you date this person? Not no, I did not date this person. Um they couldn't move it consciously. It 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 like moved when they mm-hmm. walked. Like it it kind of moved a little cuz it's it's an extension of your spine, right? So there's right. like a little tiny piece that sort of like moved when they walked. Um Could you see it through pants? No. No, you couldn't see it through pants. It's it's small. It's pretty small. It was it was I mean it's not as crazy and like movie, you know. It's not this is not a movie scenario at all, but it is sort of interesting that you're like i i know someone who had a tail i know someone who has a tail i would love to know someone who has a tail all right um number two moving on to our uh, brothers and sisters in the ape species we will have apes as chauffeurs this is uh this was predicted in 1994 
So, <laughs> like, how fast did they think they were going to move? Sixteen years, right? That what? we would breed intelligent species of animals such as apes who will be capable of performing manual labor. This is so douchey on behalf of the humans. And obviously, we would be doing that with robots instead of animals. Robots are a lot easier to control, as we've learned. They they might help you do some math, though, Allie. I think that's 26 years ago, not 16. Mm, interesting. Well, agree to disagree. <laughs> agree to disagree. We Number three, we will live in flying houses. That was a prediction um, by inventor, science writer, and futurist Arthur C. Clarke, who in 1966, so he co-wrote the screenplay for 2001 A Space Odyssey. So oh, nice. In thinking that way, right? Obviously, uh-huh. like Arthur Clarke, like, thought really big like that and was like, all right. And so in 1966, thought we would live in flying houses. We are, I mean, there are apartments in the sky, right? We talked about Emirates Airlines last week, I think, and how like yeah. um, friggin' amazing they are. They, so and they have cool. like full on apartments in the sky. So they were close. Yes. Um, and if, But if you're the guy who predicted flying houses in 2020, that is a bold prediction to make. And then have 2020 roll around and have us be literally nowhere near doing that <laughs> like not even close <laughs> and you've made one of these lists and people are like hey remember when you predicted flying houses by now <laughs> and you're like sure shut up. like flying cars i feel like should have happened by now yeah but flying houses i don't understand why we need to do that the real estate i would imagine would be very expensive and not worth it well right and i wonder if prices would change depending on what who you flew over Right. Like if you're just if your house is hovering over New York City, is it more expensive than if it's hovering over Raleigh, North Carolina? Right. Or you're like, this is over a Kardashian's house. (laughs) Like you, would you do that? Would you fly over the Kardashians since you live only blocks away from them? If it was a mobile home, yes. I'd be like the bitch (laughs) in a mobile home right above the Kardashians being like, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> I, I do just just for the sake of everyone knowing, I do find it quite ironic that the person who hates the Kardashians the most lives only blocks away from them. <laughs> I, I move on. Our next list uh, will eat candy made of underwear. Oh, that's pretty much true. Not candy underwear. Oh, you're right. <laughs> but candy made of. <laughs> Alice like, I eat candy underwear all the time. What are you talking about? <laughs> like, I mean, it's way cheaper than laundry. I mean, you could write, you just wear the underwear and then eat it. No, this is like candy that is made of underwear. I guess something having to do with like take ordinary objects and then like like mega ultra recycle them into basically like anything we want because we had mastered the chemical process so much. I, I no, <laughs> no, we're not there. This one's interesting. Number seven on the list. And we, I know we're out of time, but C, X, and Q will no longer be a part of the alphabet. <laughs> oh, really? It's just, yeah. I mean, I've never even thought of taking letters out of the alphabet. We seem to just add them all to the LGBTQ moniker. Right. <laughs> right. So maybe we should add C and X just yeah, so let's that add they, them. Like, Come on over. You know, they're starting to be marginalized as well. So we can like add them to the, to the community. I'm in. Okay. Uh, people with tails, C's, X's, you are all welcome on Channel Q. We'll be right back with more Drop the Subject. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. All right. One cause that we have taken on here on Drop the Subject, which we take on many, is to find a summer song. To find a song of the summer. Because let's face mm-hmm. it, um, we don't feel like we're really having a summer. So, And usually every summer it's like, oh, Taylor Swift did this. Or Katy Perry has another floaty and she's in a 
she's got a cool bow on her head and it's fun in summer times. Yay. Someone tried to tell me the other day that they thought this Harry Styles watermelon sugar, which still I don't know what the hell watermelon sugar is, that that's the song of the summer. And I told no. them, no, no, it's not. And, it and not. as much as I want it to be, because I do think that he is uh, he's he's gender nonconforming. He's got that whole thing. He's got a nice vibe going. Uh huh. He's adorbs. Um, he's adorbs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen to the album. Expected to love it. No. Didn't didn't really wasn't no. really feeling the watermelon sugar, but no. um, and and I know when we think of fun, energy getting, you know, vibe bops. summer vibing bops. Yeah, we don't think of Billie Eilish. You <laughs> 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 pulled that name out of nowhere. We don't, so, we don't think of Billie Eilish. <laughs> I mean, no, that's more of a we're in quarantine. Staring at the corner of a wall, shaking slowly while our cat throws up on the carpet. <laughs> when you're like a little bit high and playing video games and you're not exactly sure what time it is. And then you realize it's Wednesday morning and you're supposed to be on a work Zoom. Yeah, that's that's uh, her. That's her vibe. I had some work. And then <laughs> but, I forgot about it. <laughs> it's fine. Um, you know, so so. But I have tried to change that. I've tried to change oh. the narrative a little bit. Oh, I am oh. adding a potential contender for song of the summer i've re <gasps> i've used that word that people love so much i've reimagined the <laughs> the song everything i wanted from billy eilish oh okay uh-huh to be coronavirus friendly oh so lo- yeah. this is fantastic so you've reimagined this did you work with like you know famous producers or you nope. know david getta calvin harris nope. and it, no it's not a bop no you didn't like remix it you just reimagined it yeah, I just reimagined it by writing my own lyrics and then getting into my closet and recording it over a karaoke version of the track. <laughs> like everyone should. I mean, who right. doesn't have a closet <laughs> recording studio and the karaoke track of Everything I Wanted by Billie Eilish? Exactly. So, okay, I want to hear it without, then. Okay, without further ado, this is uh, my own, this is written and performed by yours truly, and this is a contender, an option for the song of the summer, ladies and gentlemen, Allie Eilish. I had a dream. I ate inside a restaurant. There was no line. No sign to put a mask on. And then I watched a ball game. And Karen was just a name. Shook someone's hand. Then licked it for good measure Tom Hanks was fine And so was Idris Elba But then I wake up Shit, it's still 2020 Still need a haircut I'm getting so chubby temperature just open the gyms i'll take the gym bros i'll take them i miss the selfies drop the subject the new channel q 
How satisfied are you with your relationship? It's Allie and James. Well, How Allie, satisfied are you with your relationship um, to this show? You know, mm-hmm. most of the time you don't really listen to me. So, oh. I mean, I have kind of like, I think we should just like kind of back up and just like, do you appreciate the value that I bring to our relationship? Is that what you mm-hmm. meant? Like mm-hmm. about you and I? Uh, no, wasn't really talking about that. But oh. now that oh. you bring it up, <laughs> just, I mean, you... just kidding. No, we're totally fine. It's it's good. It's fine. What do you okay. want for dinner? Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I I think that you're deflecting. Oh, maybe um, you feel that you are not. Mm. I mean, what I think, James, is that you're not committed enough. Um, so what I'm perceiving is that you don't appreciate me. <laughs> All right, what we're talking about here is what makes a good and successful relationship because there are new studies all the time about relationships. Of course, every Friday we talk to Dr. Jen. Um, I believe she's going to be, you're going to be hearing more of her on the station this week. And so feel free to get some clarifying questions from her about this new study. What makes a successful relationship? They say that it is so much less about compatibility than you really think that it is. It really can be just anyone off the street. What they want. <laughs> Any stranger from the street. <laughs> Any wonky weirdo walking down the street can be your partner. Oh, that's great because it's not necessarily about that person's personality or like your personalities, whatever. It's about, it's like, how did they put it? it your it's more than like the the type of relationship, like how satisfied you are in the relationship, like what you appreciate about the relationship versus who that actual person is makes for a yes. better relationship. Feeling appreciated and seeing that your partner is committed uh-huh. are the well. two most important things when it comes to having a successful relationship. Now, uh-huh. their personality is not listed in the top five things that make a good relationship. It is number one, perceived commitment. Number two, appreciation. That's that's something that uh, we work on in our relationship all the time. As soon as I see Katie washing a dish, oh, hi, hey, hey, that I appreciate that. That's I- important to me. <laughs> you folded that shirt. Thank you so much. It's uh-huh. very important. Uh-huh. Number three, sexual satisfaction, which of course... Yeah, that that will be an important thing, I think, always. Which I think is why you get some of those relationships where you know, you're like, how do these two work? Like, they're just like, I I don't get it. And then you know that those two are also the two that like rip each other's clothes off like seven times a week. You know what I mean? Like I... (laughs) And because it's pretty high on this list. If you're like sexually satisfied, you you can unfortunately overlook a lot of other things that might be problematic in a relationship. Well, yeah. And and you make a good point because if you've got number three, but not numbers one and two, that doesn't necessarily work. If you've got one, two and no three, you know, if you've got the commitment, you've got the appreciation, but there's no sexual satisfaction. Or if you've got the satisfaction, but you don't have the appreciation, all of those things kind of need to work together. You know what it's like when you just have a have a great sexual partner and then you're like, this really has nothing beyond it. Like you're not committed. (laughs) You don't appreciate me. Uh, you appreciate what I'm doing for you in the bedroom, but that's about it. Yeah, yeah. So it's 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 important to keep those values in mind because, you know, w- when you see these shows like Indian Matchmaking, which I've been obsessed with watching, uh-huh. and there are so many people that are so up, up in arms about this show and being like, well, it doesn't seem like it's a love, ma- it's not a love marriage, it's an arranged marriage. Well, 
you can say arranged marriage and call and think of that word however you see fit. When it comes down to it, some of these matchmakers are going, you know what, it's about compat it's it's about compatibility, yes, and it's about clicking with a person, but it's also about what you put into it. You get what you put into it. And mm-hmm. they highlight some of the successful quote unquote arranged marriages that have been extremely successful that in 30, 40, 50 years in, in going strong because those two people committed, they appreciated one another, and they made it work. And I think that there, what this starts to unravel a little bit for me, which I think is really fantastic, is this stupid rom-comization, rom-comedization of I love. love. Yeah. of relationships, right? Rom-coms ruined all of this. Everyone thinks they need to be in a J-Lo or a Cameron Diaz or Matthew McConaughey or like whatever, right? Like everyone thinks they need to be in one of those movies and that you have to fall in love and like like all of these things. You Love is very, very important in a relationship and, 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 and it needs to be there, but that's not the only foundation. I think so many people, you know, the very first episode of Indian Matchmaker, Ali, where she has this like huge long laundry list of like all of these things mm-hmm. and about the like things that she wants, she right. wants. And then like, she won't, she won't, you know, change or Compromise. adjust for yeah. it all. And I think there's something to that about like, like if you are that, that to me is like you're putting up all the blocks against being committed or appreciative about something. Or number four on this list is the perceived partner satisfaction. Like if you are not our, your first foray into this is here's my laundry list of all the things that I will not settle on. You're you're so far away from thinking about the other person and their satisfaction that you're never going to be then in a satisfied relationship. No, I know exactly who you're talking about. And I'm sure anyone who's seen the show knows exactly what uh, I, it's Ankita. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. It's a Purna because she also is like, yeah, this guy was fine. He passed the test. He passed the first test. And it's like, you're not thinking of the other person's satisfaction, what like, they actually think all. of you, because maybe they actually did not like the date with you, which most of them were like, no, that was awful. I don't want to do that anymore. Um, so anyway, successful partnerships, what makes them tick? Of course, it's a conversation that's going to, uh, it's never going to end. And if you have any questions, uh, just just go ahead and direct them over to Dr. Jen. We'll be right yeah. back with more Drop the Subject. Drop the Subject. The new Channel Q. Drop the Subject with Allie and James. You know, when this station began a couple of years ago, we're coming up on our second birthday. And it, it's kind of a bummer to know that we may not have a second birthday party. But it's been a true honor to be a part of this station. And you talk to a lot of the people who created this station pioneers in the radio community, LGBT community that said 20 years ago I would have never thought that the show would have ex- or the station would have existed, you know? Right, like to have a, a nationally syndicated queer LGBTQ radio station that with the amazing programming that we have and the amazing interviews that we do and you know all of the personalities on air are gay or queer or you know on the on the group one of the letters on the spectrum I think that's pretty phenomenal. I totally agree. And and you hope that stations like this and some of the many uh, incredible hosts and in the programming on this station is speaking to people and, and touching people, especially uh, LGBT youth, queer youth, people who could use a role model. And, you know, thinking about when we were kids, what role models were out there for us. I'm looking at this list of LGBTQ role models for c- current queer teens. Uh-huh. And uh, once I get past the third one, I have no idea who any of them are because it's, <laughs> it's a new list of, of YouTubers and influencers that are great, I'm sure, but I don't know, you know, 
Uh, I, mean, I mean, of course, Dan Levy is on here, who I know, Haley Kiyoko, and and many others. But there are several that I'm like, who's that? And I'm like, that's so great that this list is so long, right? It's it's <laughs> yeah. The list was like four people when we were younger, and Dude. and it gets me thinking about our role models when we were kids and how that has changed so much. Who were your role models, and and I happy to talk about mine because my role model is not doing so hot right now <laughs> have we maybe talked about your role model before that's not doing so well maybe mm-hmm. it rhymes with schmelin schmelin um you know i do bayard rustin was was one of the early role oh, models yeah. for me in terms of like because they're so even to take that to another level like there's not a lot of gay when we were growing up there were not a lot of like gay lgbtq role models and then gay black Gay black, right? (laughs) Right. Like, or LGBTQ black folks. There were certainly not many of those at all. So, um, Audre Lorde to, to some degree that I, you know, this was sort of like reading her works in college, whatever. And like learning about Bayard Rustin. I didn't learn about Bayard Rustin until the end of college. And that was just sort of because I was looking him up. It's not like my professors who were predominantly white at this lily white school that I went to in the Midwest were super gun ho on being like, Oh, Let's tell you all about Baird Rustin, right? So, um, I mean, I go there. There's certainly a lot of athletes. Um, Tina Charles, there's a different Tina Charles, but Tina Charles, um, who was one of the first women who came out while she was still playing in the WNBA, um, was really kind of a big deal. I think Diana Taurasi, too, just because I'm such an athlete and I love basketball so much, like Diana Taurasi has been out since college and like dares anyone to say anything about it, right? Like, right. <laughs> like, yeah, you are a badass. You're going to go down as maybe one of the best basketball players, regardless of gender, ever. And you've been out f- since college and you were a badass about it. So, you know, I, I, but there was still kind of slim pickings for a long time. It's kind of amazing to think about in the athletic world how women are more likely to come out than men. Like I've, oh, no, yeah. I know so, there's so many more out women, female athletes than male athletes, and Absolutely. I mean I remember like Abby Wambach and all that. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's yeah, yeah, just the, the more team. out there. But I mean, having Ellen as a role model, and she was, I mean, she still is a gay icon, no matter what. Yeah, she will always absolutely. be one, even if she is <laughs> getting roasted on a daily basis and everyone <laughs> like the list in the con column is so much longer than anybody in the pro column i mean i know people continue to speak out and say i had a great time on ellen but you're like these are all guests right you were <laughs> and all, all of the staff is saying right. that it was all you know um but what happens when the icon that you felt like i knew every single word to ellen stand-up specials every wow. single word she, I watched her show religiously. She made me feel like, okay, there's a woman who's funny and she's gay and she's out and she's being who she is and she's successful. And that makes me feel like I can do that, that it's sure. possible, right? And it was a hard one success story for her. Absolutely. So I will always keep that close to me. And I think that other, I, I wouldn't want, I don't think that should be taken away from her at all. Yeah. Um, the Does fact it, that she's it, a total bitch right now is, is a problem. <laughs> well, but, is that is that hard for you, Allie? Like, is that is that sort of hard to see? Yeah, kind of. But know? I kind of knew, like, I, I knew that. Like, all of this stuff that's coming out, I'm like, that makes sense to me. Because I feel over the, like, when the Ellen show 
began, 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 I was like, oh my God, she has her own daytime TV show. This is so great. And it was such a fun show. And then over the years, I was like, she's kind of so, like, it just, the light in the eyes was dead. Mm. There was a lot of like salesy parts to it. It just seemed like it had gotten so corporate and salesy and sellouty that mm-hmm. I was like, uh, I'm not, no longer interested in this. So it was kind of a letdown because you're like, man, that sucks. Like you've kind of lost your sparkle, your lot, you've lost yeah. your foundation. And then now to have that all come out actually makes me kind of happy because I'm like, maybe this will create some kind of a change. But I don't know. She seems to be doubling down on bots being (laughs) the reason that all this is happening. And having like weird posts from Tyrese to like defend her. (laughs) who's like duck duck feathers and hair. And I don't know what that post was about. That was all kinds of crazy. (laughs) Well, I mean, that that has to be sad. I'm sorry to say that someone who you looked up to and his icon is is. Turning out to be not the greatest person on earth, but I am really glad to your point earlier, Allie, that we we have officially moved into like old people territory because we look at this list of like the 19 biggest like queer influencers for youth and we know three of them. Yeah, like I hope Emmy Salida doesn't get canceled. I don't know who that is, but <laughs> that's great. Good on you, Emmy. We'll be right back with more Drop the Subject. Drop the Subject, the new Channel Q. Drop the subject with Allie and James. Thanks for bearing with us this week. A lot of you have been tweeting at us going, what the hell's going on? I don't know what I'm hearing. Well, Ah! you know what? We are all trying to figure things out together. So thanks for bearing with us. Um, Just trying to figure things out over on RN technical things and what have you. Um, But what's been a plus, James, is that it's been a rather light week on Trump coverage. Oh, so let's talk yeah. about him. <laughs> so so let's change that. If so, we, if things weren't weird enough on the show already, let's bring up Donald Trump again. Oh, okay. I know, and we hadn't we hadn't even gotten to um, Yosemite and the Axios interview, oh, all kinds of things going man. on. But let's talk about the elephant in the room, uh-huh. which is are you calling is it that? No, <laughs> no. I just called you abductable because it's the highest oh, compliment right. I can ever give thank anybody. Yeah, thank you. So, uh, isn't an elephant the Republican? It is. Yes. Okay. Democrats so the donkeys, actual so. ele- ele- elephant in the room, which is what will happen if Trump loses the election but refuses to concede the election? It's been a question that's been floating around, and we thought we would take a few minutes to give you an overview of what it means because I know for me. I was like, well, if he loses, he loses. And he Mm -mm. technically lost the last one, too. But then there were these loopholes with the Electoral College that I eventually learned about. And then this time around, I was like, okay, well, as long as he does, though, as long as it's the Electoral College and the popular vote, then he'll say no. But the fact that he has to actually verbally accept the election results, otherwise he could drag this out for quite some time, was news to me. And so why don't you give us, James, an overview, because you know a lot more about it than I do, of just what he can do, how he can take this through the court system, and how long he can drag this out, because you know he will. Well, and that's that's really the issue. We we know that this is, ha- is going to happen. He's already setting the stage for this. So, so first of all, if there is a landslide victory, there's absolutely no question whatsoever of voter fraud in particular states that were swing states that were really close. Like if this is just a landslide for Joe Biden, there's really nothing that Donald Trump can do. If Joe Biden wins the popular vote and the Electoral College, and it's just massive, it's overwhelming, it's 67% to 33% or something like that, right? There, Or, or even 70 to whatever. It, done. There's nothing Donald Trump can do. If it's closer, which unfortunately I think it's going to be, 
particularly yeah. in states like Pennsylvania and Michigan and Wisconsin, like last time. Florida. Yeah, Florida, even Missouri. That's a big one. Nevada, some of these other states that are kind of purplish. Um, some a little more purple and some a little less. But I think those things are gonna are really gonna play out. So he here's what's happened. So it could happen again that he wins the electoral college but does not win the popular vote. And then Joe Biden could actually demand recounts in particular states. So then that could slow things up in particular. Like he could go to court and then say, kind of like what happened with Al Gore and the hanging chads in Florida, right? In the, what was that, in the 90s or in the 2000s? So that could that's one scenario that could absolutely happen. The other scenario that I think is much more plausible and what I think is happening right now is that he does everything to prevent voting from actually occurring in the way that it's supposed to occur right now. And if that we can never not have a president, right? So if we don't have a clear victor or a clear voting process that that happens without uh, like errors, uh, errors, not necessarily the right word. He'll just remain in office and he'll just say, well, we have to keep investigating what's going on with a lot of these votes that have not, you know, well, we can't, you know, count the 17 million votes that came in from, you know, whatever state because X, Y, and Z happened. He's already setting the stage for that with all of his talk about voter fraud and gerrymandering and all of these things. On top of that, so, huh, uh-huh. he can then just refute the results if they're too close. He can just say, I demand a recount. I demand he can he can even go so far as to demand a revote if the votes are close enough or there's enough evidence that like lots of votes are illegal, right? So if all of a, a sudden revote. Yeah. So if they're all of a sudden Ugh. like, oh, you know, we we have evidence that thirteen thousand dead people from Florida voted. Well, he can say, oh, well, how do we know that there weren't more dead people that voted from other states? You know, using finger quotes, right? Dead vote, dead people voting. It it would be it would be a nightmare. (laughs) It would be a nightmare. And I think he's setting us up for it. So it seems it seems to me what you're saying is that if he can find if there's any room for loopholes, he has the potential if he has a case to drag this out for a, a very, very long time. It just and and I. I imagine because we're in the situation we're in, it's going to be pretty easy to say, I demand a recount. I, I, you know, we don't know what's going on because the election process is going to be so different than it's ever been in the years before. Yep. And this mail mail in votes. This is really plausible. I think it's really important for people to know that this is not we're not pulling like sort of conspiracy stuff out of our rear ends. No, like this, this is this is very really plausible, yeah. and particularly when it comes to mail in ballots. So the, the what could happen and, and I would not be surprised if it does is the process just gets drug out for a very, very, very long time because, you know, so many places are encouraging people to do mail in ballots. And there's going to be delays in those things, right? So we probably will not know on November 3rd who actually gets voted the president. It's going to be weeks of absentee and mail-in ballots coming in if this election is close. And he can drag that out for as long as he wants to. Hmm, so fun. All right. Why don't we change gears when we get back? New music here on the new Channel Q uh, falls under the parody category, but it is COVID related. And it is something you should add to your, uh, your playlist. New music when we come back. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q. Unfortunately, we are out of time. I know it's getting sad. It's our time together. It's it's just it's it moves by quick more quickly than you can ever imagine. I'm Allie and James. I'm both. Of them. <laughs> you, I am both. I am <laughs> both of us 
I am no one. I am everyone. <laughs> I'm like a transformer. It's just like there's different <laughs> legs of me. Uh, one leg is Jesse. One leg is James. <laughs> I am Allie James. <laughs> <laughs> I am Allie James. Um, before we get out of here, we wanted to do another Monday Munch Report because it is Monday after all. Nom, nom, nom. And one question that we wanted to ask you was what is the food that you make at home when you are too lazy to cook anything? This was a, a topic of discussion for us over the weekend. Um, obviously, time becoming more limited for me personally, and I, I do love to cook, but when you feel, I just can't do it, I can't get out the pots and the pans, I can't chop another onion, I can't do it, what is your go-to, James? Because you said it off the air, and I'd like you to say it on the air. It surprised me. <laughs> so my, my well, I feel like there's different la- layers of this before I say what my word is, by the way. I'll tease this just a little bit more, or what my food is. My, like, uh, I don't really feel like cooking, but I probably have about five minutes in me to cook. Like, fine, I'll just do whatever. That's something that's really easy is, is eggs or egg whites. Oh, egg whites? Oh, <laughs> you don't like egg whites? No, there's no flavor to them. I have had well, egg whites sitting in my fridge for no less than a month and a half. I swear. You put you got to put stuff in there. So you th- you dump like the egg what? whites in, and then you can put different types of salsa in there, veggies. You also that jardinera that I mentioned previously on the show. You know, I order it from whatever. You dump some jardinera in there. Jardinera and egg whites is fantastic. Sometimes just a little touch of cheese. You put it on the stove. Like four and a half minutes later, you got a big old plate full of food there's not a ton of calories there's like very little carbs and it's super easy a ton a a touch of cheese uh, i would need fistfuls (laughs) really you don't like to make that but no because it completely takes like it doesn't save it if you really make what you're doing is you're finding different ways to make that dish about nothing that has anything to do with egg whites (laughs) you're just like it's like when you eat salsa? kale, you're like, how do I make this so uh-huh. that it's not kale? Uh-huh. That's exactly And that's what you're exactly doing what with the egg. Yeah, that's yeah, what it is. Exactly. Is that you're you're like, mmm, the egg whites, but you're not saying mm, egg whites. You're saying yum, <laughs> salsa, jardinera, and cheese. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty much. And that's okay. The egg whites are just like a vehicle to get the salsa jardinera and cheese into my mouth. And it's pretty easy. But wait, hold on. The point of this conversation is not judging James and his egg whites about oh. how flavorless <laughs> they are. It is what is your go-to when you don't feel like cooking? So, Allie Johnson, <laughs> what is your go-to? When I, I'm feeling yeah. so judged, I'm not appreciated in this relationship I'm, whatsoever. We <laughs> should have never done that study. Damn it. I will tell you proudly that my go-to lazy meal is mac and cheese. Boxed powder cheese. Nice. A, a, a tablespoon of full fat butter. Yep. Almond milk. <laughs> um, and, and almond milk. Okay. Well, we shouldn't be probably really doing cow's milk anyway. So, um, okay. I mean, I feel like that's messy. Like, isn't mac and messy. cheese messy? It's not any messier. No, it's not any messier than the weird concoction you're talking about. You don't think so? I don't. I guess I don't. I don't really eat mac and cheese because, you know, if I smell carbs, they just immediately transport like directly to my <laughs> love handles. So, like, I don't yeah. I don't really I don't remember the last time I ate. Certainly ate not. No judgment. I don't remember the last time I ate boxed mac and cheese at all. Like I probably was in my teens and 
Other people's mac and cheese, like good mac and cheese at a barbecue or something, that's about the only time I'll eat mac and cheese. So really, you just have boxes of like craft mac and cheese in your cupboard? We have, you know, we started doing it this year because we were panic buying. And then we oh. were like, you know, it's nice to have just a spare box of mac and cheese around just at any time, <laughs> just in case. So that has now been the go-to. And we were, we were we did once or twice where we bought SpaghettiOs and we were like, enough of this. You're I like, can't do this, this. this is, you crack me up, by the way, with the spare box of, of craft of mac and cheese around because one time Chris and I were grocery shopping and he was like, oh, let's get some miso soup. And I was like, why do you want miso soup? And he's like, well, it's always good to have miso soup around. It <laughs> is. Um, okay. It is. Why? And as we learned recently, you stand soup. So you should agree. I, d- I do stand soup, stand soup, seriously. But I'm like, it's not like it's a necessity, right? Like <laughs> this is not, it's not like toothpaste or something. Like we don't have to have miso soup. <laughs> you too. I agree with Chris. You have to have miso soup around at any soup around at any given time in an emergency more so than egg rights. All right. We have to go. When we come uh, tomorrow, we have all kinds of exciting stuff. We're going to get to Just the Tip Tuesday. We're going to go back to the kitchen, actually, for Just the Tip Tuesday. Uh-huh. We will do that tomorrow. Until then, we'll see you soon and have, have, have a fun evening. How's that? Go. Drop the subject. The new Channel Q.